Father, and we do that this morning. We give our lives to honor the Savior King. Uh, may all that we do uh, be an opportunity to glorify uh, the great name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks, and you can be seated. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, and let's go to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, and we're continuing our journey of redemption uh, in this great book as we take a look and just see God work. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you, we have some people coming around that have a Bible, and uh, you're going to need one today especially. You need one every Sunday around here because we are big about the Bible. But uh, here's what I want for you to do. If you're already there, look at Exodus chapter 2. Take a, go to the very end. We're going to be starting in verse 23. Look at that. 23. Then kind of take your eyes, pass all the way through chapter 3, go all the way into chapter 4, up through verse 17, and now look at your watch. And uh, we've got about 25 minutes. And that was planned because of the parent-child dedication today. We're going to cover it all. Um, Big God. (laughs) Believe me, I'm in fear right here. But we're going to go through it all, and there's just a number of things I'd love to cover, but obviously we're just not going to have the time. So I'm just going to, we're going to go through this, and I just want to key in on kind of a key part of this that uh, is good for all of us. Exodus chapter 2, let's begin looking in verse 23. During those days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. And their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. I just want to pause here for a minute because uh, this is being um, the words here. God heard, God remembered, God saw, and God knew. Now, push back. Because we could sit here and say, okay, that is really cool. God heard, God remembered, God saw, and God knew, but God doesn't seem like he's been doing much for like hundreds of years. Did he all of a sudden just wake up? What's been going on? Well, here's what I'd like for you to do real quick. Turn to the left to Genesis 15. Genesis 15. This is about roughly four, I'm sorry, 200 years before Joseph enters Egypt, and it's about 500 or 600 years before what we're reading today. This is about five, 600 years before what we're reading today. And let's just take a quick look at this. Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 12. As the sun was going down, and God is reconfirming his covenant with Abram. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. Where might that be? Egypt. And will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for how long? For 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward they shall come out with great possessions. 
Interesting, five, six hundred years before all this is taking place, God had already said, already knew that they were going to go to this place, they were going to be slaves in this place, that they were going to be there for this period of time, and that then God was going to bring them out. And we could say, but why? Why? I'll just say, I think one possibility is that it took them that long to be able to be ready for God to take them out. But I don't know fully, but let me bring two verses to bear on this. Isaiah 55, 8, that says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As well as Deuteronomy 29, 29, the passage that I love and always go to. The things revealed belong to us, but the things unrevealed belong to him. There are just some things we don't know. And are you okay with that? I am. Because God is a whole lot bigger than me. And so in this, we look at this, and I just want to say, how could God do this? Let me just real quick bring up a picture here. What's this a picture of? The Mona Lisa, right? (laughs) You're hanging in there, hang in there. Let me just kind of quickly illustrate it this way. God sees the Mona Lisa reality. We We are the individual pictures of it. And so in essence, in the individual pictures, our life is this little pictorial uh, reality here. It's a part of the big picture, but yet we are not the picture. God sees the big thing that's going on, and we fit into that. And when you take one of those little pictures out, there's like, what's going on with the whole picture? And just I'm trying in a creative way to remind us, listen, sometimes we sit at life and go, why is God doing things the way that God is doing? Because he sees the big picture and we don't. And we have to trust him and put our trust in him that that's okay, God, it's in your hands and I'm really glad it's not in mine. Let's keep going. God hears, therefore I lay my prayers before him. God remembers, therefore I know he will remain true to his words. And God sees, therefore I can persevere ahead even when I don't. And God knows, therefore I know that I don't have to know all things because all things are known to him and will be brought to light, and I'm good with that. God sees, God remembers, God hears, God knows. Let's pick up chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Look at the map here. Uh, Just quickly, uh, Moses was over in the land of Midian. Egypt is way over there when he left last week. (laughs) He came over to the land of Midian. He is now, we find him coming over here to this little area here, which is actually Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, the same thing. This is a picture that is of basically that region. Okay, just kind of put it in your mind. It's not like up in the Rockies or in the Smoky Mountains. This is a pretty desolate area, but that just kind of gives you an idea of what's going on. Let's keep reading. Verse 2, chapter 3, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. I love it when the Bible talks about kind of this is what they did. This is just his thinking, what's going on. Verse 4, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. I wonder what that really sounded like. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And 
Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. Sound familiar? I've seen, I've heard, and I know. And now I love verse 8. And I have come down. Yeah, God is showing up. God knew about it, but now he's showing up, if you will. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, just like he said back in Genesis 15, and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Parasites. Something like that. Verse 9, And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you. (laughs) Okay, God, I liked all that stuff until there. Come, I will send you. Man, this must have blown his sandals off. Didn't have socks. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, and you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Just imagine this. There you are, an 80-year-old. Oh, by the way, a retirement, that means the time to check out in life. Um, hmm, interesting. Uh, don't have time for that one. You're an 80-year-old, a 40-year outcast farmer, desert nomad. And now you're being asked by God, the creator and sustainer of all creation, to strut your way before the leader of the known world, the leading empire of the day, and to tell him, Hey, let me lead two million of your enslaved workers out. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Verse 12, verse 11, but Moses said to God, uh, listen, I would be doing these buts here as well, folks. Okay? Okay, God, love that stuff, but, 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 whoa, slow the plan. But Moses said to God, Who am I, underline that in your Bible, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he, God said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Where's he at? Sinai, Horeb, right there. And then Moses says to God, wait, but if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Underline, what shall I say? Uh, The NIV says, uh, what shall I tell them? Just underline, keep keep track of these, because there's five pushbacks here. Verse 14, and God said to Moses, uh, I am, or maybe I am. I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am sent me to you. Verse 15, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be represented throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. That has a little bit of meaning to God, doesn't it? Has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has 
been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt and to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing of milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Verse 19. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go. Interesting. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand, like ten fingers on that hand plagues. Verse 20, so I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you just won't go, but you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, and so you shall plunder the Egyptians. I think right at that moment, it's like, yeah. And then verse 4, then Moses answered, well, apparently not, yeah, but, 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 but behold, they will not believe me. Underline, they will not believe me. So far, we've seen, who am I? And then secondly, we've seen, what shall I say? And now we hear, they won't believe me. Or they won't listen, as well as they won't listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand, Moses? And he said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, by the way, he must have known that this is not a normal snake. I mean, the dude's been in the desert for 40 years. He knows snakes. This one scared him. Verse 4, but the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and uh, catch it by the tail. And so he put out his hand and caught it, and it came, became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you again, the Lord said to him. Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. I mean, you see this guy, whoop, 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 going on here with this. I mean, just how cool would that be? Uh, verse 8, if they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Verse 10, but, 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 but Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, <laughs> oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. Underline that. I am not eloquent. The NIV says, I have never been eloquent. Actually, that's not true. Acts chapter 7, if you remember from last week, said that he was very skilled with his words and deeds. It's amazing what 40 years out of the limelight and in the desert can do. I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am now slow, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Oh, I so want to camp on that one for a little bit. But we don't have time, but listen. 
theologically camp on that one. Verse 12, now therefore go and I will be your mouth and teach you, I like that, and teach you what you shall speak. But, 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 but he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Underline that. This is the heart and core. Listen, folks, I would be doing the same thing. I have done the same thing. Please, anybody else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? As I remember, it's been like 40 years. I know, God knows, that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. I want to camp on that one as well, but I can't. The sovereignty of God working in people. I mean, what was going on? Why, why is he even going out? I don't know. But he's going out to meet him at Sinai. And when he sees you, you will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the, word, put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. Listen, I am so grateful for the honesty in the scriptures. Here Moses is in this obscure region. Would you not call that obscure? Kind of like, who wants to go vacation there? But this is just part of that area. Just, I, you know, that where the burning bush was? No, we're not going there. Don't know. But this is out in that territory. I mean, there they are in this obscure area doing his life, and God shows up, and God tells him something big, and Moses pushes back. Now, let's take a look here. Let's just kind of run through this. Moses' five pushbacks. One in chapter 3, verse 11. But who am I? Look, here's how I'm going to answer these five. We're just going to, I'm just going to give you some verses, okay, because of our time. I'm just going to give you some verses here. But who am I? Hey, listen, folks, I totally get him. Who am I? Who am, who, who am I? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. But, 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 but who am I? Hey, listen, this is for you and I, believer and follower of Christ. Also, I'd add to that 1 Corinthians 15, 9. Paul makes this comment. For I am the least of the apostles. Remember, Paul was a murderer and a murderer of Christians. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Oh, I love this. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. But who am I? Nothing without Christ. Straight up. 
And so one of the questions I ask out of that is, is, do you know God's message of reconciliation in your own life? The Bible says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Believer, it is about whose I am, not who I am. And in our culture, in our world, we struggle with this. But, it, but not me, and God's answer to this, I am. Here's this little dialogue going on. Is it in that spot? Don't know. But there's this little dialogue going on up there. And first Mo comes in and he says, but who am I? And God says, I am. It's not about you. Secondly, but what shall I say? Moses goes on. 2 Timothy 4.2. What shall I say? 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove and rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Preach the word. You could take that, parents, to what we were talking about earlier today. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to do the work of God. So God's answer is, what shall I say? Say, I am. A third, but they will not believe me. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 through 5. 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth source. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off in all kinds of myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Add to that 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9. I, Paul, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, for we are God's fellow workers. Uh, but they will not believe me. True. Many won't. And God already knows that. But my, that's not my job. That's God's job. My job is to plant and to water. God's job is the one that makes it grow. Doesn't that just give you hope? I'm telling you, it sure does for me in my role as a pastor. I mean, this is about the Word. This is so not about me. This is about God's Word because He's the one who uses The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to do the work of God. And God answers, but who, they will not believe me. And God answers, but I am. I will take care of it. And then fourth, but I'm not eloquent. Uh, Jeremiah felt the same way. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 7, he says this, but the Lord said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, do not say I am only a child. You must go. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. For us, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Hey, are you uneloquent? Welcome to the land of the uneloquent. A little while ago, I told Karen about a phone conversation I had with someone on the phone, and they were just making mention, just... Uh, you know, Doug, it's like when you talk about things, it just like all comes together and makes sense. And I told Karen about that, and we laughed. You have no idea how I struggle with that. No idea. I can talk, 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 talk. And by the time you get to it, it's like, what in the world is he talking about? But God. 
I don't have the answers, but the I am does. Fifth question. Please send someone else. <laughs> Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus right before the ascension says, therefore go, you go and make disciples. God says, uh, please send someone else. He's not saying, I am sending someone else. He's saying, I am sending you. The follower of Jesus Christ is going to obey God's, if the follower of Jesus Christ is going to obey God's call in his or her life to be a disciple maker. That includes being equipped. And just real quickly, I want to make mention here in a couple Sundays, we're going to be talking about a number of things coming up this summer because this summer is going to be an equipping summer. And I just want to remind you, in these next two Sundays, again, we're going to be doing some uh, Sharing Your Faith 101. I'd love to have you be a part of that if that works out for you during the second service. So come to the first service and then the second service go there. As well as later on after that, we're going to have a six-week Getting to Know Your Bible where Eric, Pastor Eric and Larry Woods are going to be taking that and just take six weeks and do a big, broad overview. So if you are one who sits there and just goes, you know what, I don't know about this thing, guess what? You're going to have a chance in six weeks just to get a fly-by overview and help you get a grasp of the Bible. Well, Moses stands before God and he's asked to do something and he goes, but, 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 but. And I want to say this, nothing's wrong with asking the question. Because God doesn't fry him. I mean, he could have fried him right there. Extra crispy. Right at that moment, but God didn't. He did get frustrated at the end. But I do have to ask this for us as we wrap up. As you're coming to know the scriptures, what has God asked you to do to be that maybe right now you're going, but, but, well, let me just throw out some possible examples. Trusting in his sovereignty. Doug, you don't know my circumstances, my health issues, but, 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 but God, and God just says, listen, I am. I am the sovereign God overall. Maybe it's just believing that he's for real. Is there a God? I mean, but, 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 it's fine to ask the questions, but may I remind you of this? God says, I am. Whether I think so or not, he is. Maybe I'm having a hard time forgiving that person who's harmed me. They've hurt me wrongly. And may I just remind you that there is an I am who does forgive. And sometimes we can be harder on other people than God is himself. Maybe it's just giving up my rights. It's about what I want, what I deserve, what I need. I'm not going to do that because my spouse, they're not doing what they should be doing. Listen. The I am is what it's all about. Give it up. Understand the struggle. Doug, I just can't help worrying. I can't stop being fearful. I can't control my eating. I can't control cutting. I can't control handling my past. I can't control this addiction. I can't control this sinful activity. I am. The I am is real. But, 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 but it's really hard right now to love someone and to serve maybe my spouse. So, the I am. 
maybe it's really hard to obey my parents. But Doug, you don't know what they're really like. No, but I remind you, I do know what the I am is like, and I do know what the I am says to you. Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents. Well, the who I am. Uh, who am I? No one. But he is. Uh, what shall I say? This. They won't believe me. Maybe not, but it's all about him. He's the one who works. We plant. We water. I'm not eloquent. Welcome. But he is. Please send someone else. The I am has sent you and I. And we're going to watch Moses struggle, just like you and I. But a great big God is going to do a great big work. And we rest in that. Let's pray. God, you are the I am. There's really not much more than that. You are. Father, I pray for us. As we seek to understand and live that out, we need help. And I am so grateful that the I am is here now. Father, I thank you that it's not about me. It's not about us. It is about you. And may we just be encouraged and challenged that you want to use and work in us even when we lay out the but pushbacks. But may we get to it. Because you say that when we do what's right, you will bless and you will be glorified. And this is all about you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be able to get inside Moses and get inside this conversation between the two of you. We really can relate and yet you are showing yourself big to this man to be able to use him in big ways. Thanks. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's stand and uh, let's, pr let's praise that great I am together.